Thank you all for checking out this week's episode. Once again, I'm John. If you like what you heard and saw today, subscribe to our YouTube channel, find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and check out our brand new merch store with hats, coffee mugs, t-shirts, other cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Again, thank you all for support. Be safe and see you next week. How's it going, everyone? John here, the host of Spear Talk. And today we have the incredible Thomas Winterton. Uh, Thomas is not only a martial artist uh, and the CEO of Residence Meditations, but he is the superintendent of Skinwalker Ranch, um, who the show on History Channel is amazing. And after I started, got hooked on it because of the uh, last two years, I started binge watching a lot of TV shows. And the Skinwalker Ranch has always been something for me, whether it's like that South or the Bermuda Triangle, that area of the world, it's always attracted me into the kind of the paranormal and the fact that I was able to reach out to Thomas and have him here is uh, pretty awesome. Well, it's great to be with you. And, and anybody that puts incredible in front of my name as I introduce it, you know, it's, it, I, of course, I got a smile on my face, right? I don't get that every day. It's uh, <laughs> it's kind of cool. Before we kind of jump into the TV show and stuff, and why I think it, why I find that show makes you do look incredible. Um, the thing about Skidwalker Ranch, you grew up in the area, but as a child, was this something that was always on your radar? Kind of like you hear these stories or read like the old print newspaper articles and stuff like that. No, actually, um, you know, I, I had a UFO sighting when I was a kid. Uh, but it was such that I didn't even know what, I didn't even know that I saw a UFO and, and it was simply one night, you know, looking out my window, seeing a big, beautiful orange moon out there. Uh, when I, I did grow up here in Roosevelt, which is about six miles away from the ranch. And, uh, and we used to have an oil refinery <clears throat> on the edge of town and, and my house was close to it. And my bedroom window looked out over it. And one night I looked out, it was late, probably sometime between 10 and midnight and uh saw this big beautiful moon out there and it, it was only half moon but it was it was like the bottom half and uh the next morning uh i remarked to my mom how beautiful the moon was that night and she and so i don't think there was a moon and so we looked on the calendar and sure enough there wasn't a moon that night so i don't you know i don't know what it was i saw but other than that like no i i really i've never been in the paranormal world i've never I, I mean, my, my depth of science fiction movies is like Independence Day, you know, so, uh, and I came onto the ranch as a, as a pretty healthy skeptic, I uh, thought that it was a bunch of hyped ghost stories. When I, I'm glad you brought that up because what I love about that is when they, you get introduced <clears throat> to your, yourself on the show, you, the fact you are a skeptic and you're not just easily accepting what is said or heard or even told makes the authenticity of yourself and the shelves that much more cooler because you're going to be the first person there i would think that would be like no this is all bullshit or this is impossible or this is there's here's an honest explanation of what this could be and as the show goes on and stuff happens to you which people that are aware of the show the injuries you've sustained um it very fascinating it's 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 kind of watching someone in real time learn or come to understand that maybe there is something we can't explain happening currently in the world. Yeah. I'm grateful for the way that the events played out um, coming onto the ranch. Now I grew up in the area, so that's not to say that I haven't heard the stories. I mean, there in the nineties, when the Shermans had the ranch, that was all people were talking about. It was in the local newspapers. So I've heard the stories and, and I've heard people talking about it but I've never watched any documentaries on it. I've never read the book or books. Uh, I, I was pretty, like I say, I just, it wasn't on my radar. And the whole reason for coming out here was Jim Morse. Uh, when Brandon bought the ranch, Jim Morse uh, happened to stop and stay at my motel. Uh, my wife and I owned a, a small luxury boutique hotel here in Roosevelt. And Jim Morse stopped to stay with us. It was his first Sunday out. To, he Brandon sent, sent him out here to kind of, you know, start figuring out what they were going to do with this place. And Jim got talking with me and, and uh, he found out I was a licensed general contractor here in the state of Utah. And uh, he's all, oh, you know, we got this property we just picked up. Maybe you've heard of it, you know, Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of it. You know, we used to take our dates out there on Friday nights, jump the fence and try to like scare our dates because there are so many crazy stories about the government being out here, and UFOs and and it was this mysterious place that nobody can come into. And it was all locked down. 
And Jim said, well, you know, would you mind for your licensed contractor, would you come out and do a property inspection for us? Give us an idea of, you know, what kind of condition the facilities are in. And so I came on just because of the novelty of being able to, of course, to, and, and Jim was very, you know, when Brandon bought this place, he was just so cautious. He didn't want anybody to know that he had it because he was worried that it would stigmatize him. And, and he, you know, he's a very successful, very well-respected businessman, uh, real estate guy. And so Jim was very discreet, you know, and, and very wealthy businessman uh, bought this. And so just the novelty of being able to come onto a place that nobody else was allowed to go to. But I didn't come out here because, you know, Skinwalker Ranch and I, I wanted to see what was happening. It was more, you know, the novelty of getting to go someplace that everybody else couldn't go. And for those that aren't familiar with the ranch itself or even from the TV show, could you kind of give a rundown what facilities or like what is in terms of being a uh, superintendent of the, the ranch, what do your do- everyday duties consist of around that place? Well, um, so the facilities, um, first of all, it's a ranch. So people that aren't familiar with Utah, we're a very dry state. Um, and so if you want something to grow here, you've got to irrigate it, which we have uh, ditches and canals that carry the water. And, uh, and so you have to distribute the water where you want it to get anything to grow. Um, and then they're just, I mean, we have miles and miles of fencing and uh, ditches that are constantly getting plugged up, have to be attended to and cleaned out. Um, and then you add on the facilities, there's the ranch house here that our caretakers live in. Um, when we came on the ranch, found when I did my first inspection, I found it to be, you know, in pretty sad shape, uh, state of disrepair. It needed a lot of work, uh, you know, for example, mold in the bathrooms and, and health health related things that need to be addressed immediately. So uh, Brandon immediately told me to take care of those. Um, we have the command center, what we call the command center. It's this modular uh, trailer that Bigelow brought in for his uh, for the security guards and for his scientists to stay in. It it has required a lot of work and upkeep. Right. Um, so I, I my regular my daily there's always fences that need fixed. Now with when you add the science aspect into that, my job is you know when Eric Bard, who is our our chief um, scientist, our chief investigator out here uh, researcher. When he wants to put a camera or a piece of equipment somewhere, it's my job to figure out how we're going to get power and network and any other infrastructure there that he needs. You know, if we're putting in a, a trust tower, I've got to figure out how we pour the footings. Um, so there's a lot of infrastructure. I spend a lot of my time addressing infrastructure needs. We've run miles and miles of both power and network, fiber optic, uh, all kinds of networking lines so there's always something to do and now that we've got so much infrastructure brandon has invested heavily in in upgrading the infrastructure here uh we're all there's always something that needs fixed replaced uh yeah yeah and i can imagine you you know the security on there and stuff and like the layout but as as people get to learn and appreciate Skinwalker Ranch and the show and they start reading books and all these documentaries and stuff, it's basically a melting pot for people coming all over the world uh, to see a UFO or have an experience that you guys, some people have had like yourself. And it, it, is it for you, when you wake up every day and go to work and do your daily jobs there, are you kind of blown away by the fact that you are part of something that has this global brand, this name to it that people are flocking to every day? Yeah, you know, it's something that I grew into. I mean, when I first came out here, it's just simply doing a property inspection. Um, I helped Brandon, the, the road that used to go through the middle of the ranch was a public easement, which I wish I'd have known that as a high school student, right? Like you legally can't keep the public out of it. And, and that became a huge issue. How are you supposed to run a science uh, project when you when you have the public parading through the middle of it. So I helped Brandon get that road vacated legally and deeded back so that we could legally close off our borders and, and protect the integrity of the ranch and the science investigation. And so like, 
after I did that, he asked me to stay on. And it's just something that kind of grew in. Never, never in those first couple of years was it ever mentioned like a TV show or, I mean, Brandon was a skeptic. Eric, Eric will tell you, I'm not here to believe. I'm not here to disbelieve. I'm here to observe. And so the whole team, really, I don't know that I'm trying to think, I don't know that any of us bought into the narratives that were passed on to us. And, uh, and we had to first be convinced there was something going on here. And then as that slowly, like, you know, as we st slowly start gathering data and, and suddenly we're realizing that, yes, we are sitting on something that's pretty incredible. It starts to sink in a little bit. And, and now with the TV shows and the publicity and, and all of the, the spotlight that comes with that, there are some days that I think, wow, you know, how did, how did I get here? And, and. It, you know, you do kind of pinch yourself and think, I'm, I'm, I feel fortunate to be involved in this type of uh, investigation. Over the years, obviously, the Skywalker Ranch, you see all the movies with shapeshifters and werewolves and UFOs. And then when the show comes on that you're on, it was really interesting to take out the, the sheer science fiction of actual shapeshifters and creatures of the night, whatever it is. But when you bring on like field researchers or anthropologists and historians and all these people on the show, it, it kind of brings it, it makes it feel like, you know what, this is a show, but they're really trying to figure out what is causing some of the stuff, whether it's that cow you, you uh, examined that changes color from black to red or the, the object that came down and crushed those dogs and stuff like that, where it's kind of like, let's bring in the people that are experts and have them kind of try and figure out what they can. It's, it is really cool, like you said, how scientists, all these people actually brought it here. Um, are actually trying to kind of figure out what exactly is going on. It is. And to be honest, I, I really have little interest or time. I mean, the ranch is just one of the things that I participate in. Um, I have several businesses that I run. And so I have very little time for ghost hunts. I'm not interested in that kind of stuff. What, what I love about this is my, my favorite thing about being on the ranch is the people that I get to associate with. I mean, when, when you get to rub shoulders with the likes of Eric Bard um, that, and, and all the other brilliant minds that we brought in here, it, that's, that's really the blessing. And I cringe. I think we all cringe at the word paranormal because, you know, it, it's got a, it's got a stigma to it where we're looking at it and saying, it's just science. We don't understand yet. Right. right. And that's really, that is the potential outcome of this is if we can start to understand some of the phenomena and the anomalies that are taking place, then that can be used to advance science, advance physics as we know it. You know, the, the rewards that could be gained from that are really, really, uh, it, it's worth doing it. But I, I, I appreciate the fact that we're just trying to understand the science. So not here for ghost hunts, we're here to try to understand and I, and I love that, especially where the world where it's so easy to just, if you say the word paranormal or the government will declassify UFO stuff the last couple of years, and you're kind of people are like, that are skeptics are, oh, it's stupid, it's blah, 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 it's, you know, nothing's make belief. But if you like, you, like you said, if you look at it from a science aspect, maybe it is science, we just don't know about it yet. And so I love the idea that you guys, by you guys, your show and your, your crew and your staff, you always have to kind of the fact you are trying to be real and not over not overthinking and not over creating stuff that you want people towards these shows a lot of times, uh, but not to name other shows, but they, they want to see manufactured stuff. They're there for a reason. They want to see a ghost pop out or an alien come down and break bread with you. And the fact that it doesn't happen on your show from that, the, the actual sense like that, I think this is what people gravitate towards because there is a human aspect. There is a real scientific approach to trying to understand again uh, what's going on. Yeah, well, and and I I appreciate the fact that when we did this show, you know, our scientists were very very concerned because their credibility is on the line, right? 100%. And and so one of the assurances that the network had to give us, and and Brandon had to have it in writing, was that they would not ask us to fabricate or embellish anything because you can't make the ranch tap dance on command right 
when it wants to show us something, it shows us something. And there are periods of time where the ranch will go quiet. Or, or maybe the better way to put it would be, uh, there are periods of time when maybe we're not in the right position or with the right equipment to observe what's happening. Because so much of what's happening here can't be seen with the naked eye. And so um, it, it's about having the right instruments and looking in the right place at the right time. So much of this is a needle in a haystack. Um, so we can't, there was a big concern when we did the show. It was my biggest worry. Like, what if we get the cameras rolling and nothing happens, right? Yeah. So, but luckily, uh, Kevin Burns, who was the executive producer, um, one of the most brilliant storytellers I've ever had the privilege of being around. Uh, you know, sadly, he, he passed away uh, last year, but he, he just said, look, if something happens, then we have a story. And if nothing happens, that's a story too. Like whatever you guys give us, we'll make a story out of it. And so uh, we haven't had that pressure from the network to try to fabricate or or make things up and and falsify it. And and I've appreciated that. You know, that's not to say that they don't add in their music and oh, their editing to dramatize, right? Like if if a matter of fact, most of the science that's done out here, if it was to be on TV, it's like more boring than watching paint dry and and definitely would not bring any ratings so they got to bring the ratings and there's that compromise there that we give them but nothing we, we don't give them any fake material to work with they obviously edit it to to dramatize it and, and keep it interesting but uh yeah it, it's been an interesting process so that kind of brings me when something happens to people out there and the actual things recorded whether you know, let's start with your your first injury. You've had, I think, I think three injuries from there. When stuff like that happens, obviously that's kind of a wake up call to you, where you're kind of like, well, maybe there is. I'm no longer a skeptic, but maybe I need answers here. To the one where the voice tells you, "Hey, go home." When that stuff is gets recorded, it, it I mean, it must be a, it must. You're already excited to be there, whether you're a scientist or researcher. Um, but when stuff like that happens in real time, when people are there present to capture this type of stuff, does that, that must bring a level of excitement or that extra boost of energy where it's like, oh, maybe we're on to something here. Because like you said, you can record a week, two weeks of nothing, and then all of a sudden, either you're in the wrong place or you do capture it because you're in the right place. And so when that happens in real time and stuff, is that add an extra level of a gumption or push for the crew and staff there working? It's, uh, yeah, it's a double-edged sword, actually. Um, matter of fact, uh, in filming one of the recent seasons, uh, I'm going to be pretty nondescript here. Um, you know, when you start to observe things that can't be explained, and, and by not explained, meaning we don't have the current understanding of physics, apparently, to describe the things that are happening right before us, and I look around and, and you see that the, the camera guys are seeing it, and the producers are seeing it, our team members are seeing it, and, and we're seeing all of this happen. And I, I mean, the adrenaline shoots through the roof. I remember going home after filming, uh, there was a couple that we, we wrapped really, really late, or maybe I should say really early, like, you know, 2.30, 3.30 in the morning. And I go home and, and there's no way I'm sleeping, right? You're you you in a lot of ways you're trying to process what it was you just saw um and and when you can't put reason to it that you know when you can't draw from the filing cabinet say oh it was you know for example you see an object in the sky you automatically start pulling from a file maybe it's a helicopter maybe it's a plane maybe it's a drone uh, uh maybe a satellite you, you go through all the known things it, it could be. And when you run out of those and, and it's, you know, it's whether it's maneuvering or it looks or whatever it is, it's, that's crossing each one of those items off the list. Once you cross everything off the list, you know what it is. You're left in this, this place of trying to process your brains, trying to compartmentalize what it was that just happened. And so it leaves you wired. And, and then on the other hand, so on one hand, you have a lot of adrenaline, a lot of excitement, um, but but a lot of the stuff that we've seen here is just downright scary. And so on the, the, the other edge of that sword is you lay awake 
both excited about what you saw and scared at the implications of what it could mean. And it's very disturbing. And so, um, and, and I have to say this last season that we filmed, I had more days that I laid awake at night, just really, really disturbed about, you know, if, if, if we just witnessed what we thought we witnessed, the implications of what that could mean is, is terrifying, right? So it's a double-edged sword, but it, it does push us. I mean, you, you see that, then you yeah. immediately want to get out there and like follow up and, and try to repeat it, get it to happen again. Um, so, yeah. One of our uh, listeners of the podcast, Rebecca, actually, her question actually was, uh, what, how do you guys manage fear and stuff like that? So it's kind of cool to see you talk about that um, in terms of, not only what's happening in real time, but as you get closer to getting, maybe getting some answers, how much more you like, do they, does the ranch or the entity, whatever's there, want you to get those answers? Are you, how far is, is it going to push you far enough to the point where you don't want to even go that far? And so it is very fascinating, the whole idea of fear and especially with the unknown. Yeah, it's, um, it is something that I, I can't tell you the amount of nights that Eric, Travis, Dragon, Caleb, and I will be sitting here in the command center after you know the cameras are down, down for the day and the production guys have gone back to the hotel, and it's just us left in here and and we're trying to decompress and and I can look in their faces and see like. I guess we could say fear, right? Um, and trying to, and I'll be honest, like, I'm so grateful that I got a team of grounded individuals right. to share that with, because if I was just here, if I was here by myself, or if I was here with other individuals that didn't have the science background, maybe didn't have the, the backgrounds of the individuals that I'm surrounded with, you would feel like you're going crazy. That's just plain and simple of it. I mean, are we, there are some things where we're catching on camera, our, our sensors and meters and stuff, we're picking it up and recording it. So we have, we have multiple levels of witnesses that, that strange things are happening. And yet you still find your brain trying to rationalize it, tell you that it didn't really happen that way. You're misremembering. And, and so having a team, like we're, we're able to cope and, and we tell people, you know, the ranch is really a hard place to explain. It's almost something that has to be experienced. And, and there's only probably a few people in this world that I can sit down with that I can look them in the eye and know that they know what I'm talking about. Right. I can do my best to try to explain the ranch to people, right. but until they've actually experienced it and, and been there and, and had it, there's, there's no way to comprehend. And it's kind of cool. Some of the episodes, um, I can't think of, I think it was season two, maybe the sheriff, the local sheriff came by the old owner. He basically mm -hmm. talked about how they find those cows stacked up on each other in the barn. And so when they get a witness to something like that shows up, what is the process for vetting um, that individual, not only just for the show, but for your notes and research for the ranch itself? Like, is there a process in place that you take down every detail from someone that may have seen something or a story they heard from their parents or something like that. Like what is the process to kind of collaborate all these ideas and uh, possible sightings together? You know, we do our very best to vet. Um, our credibility is at stake and, and being in this much publicity, I, you know, I can't go anywhere. I can't go to the grocery store or the post office or, or even to my business meetings that I, that I hold on a daily basis without, People, you know, they're, they're all intrigued by the ranch and they either want to know my stories or in, in a lot of cases, they want to tell me their own stories. And we've had a lot of people in the local area that have had things happen to them. And so uh, all these things can be clues to the puzzle and, and we take them all serious. And, but you, you have to have a level of vetting. And so with the, with the case of like the sheriff and the individuals that we bring on, First of all, we look at the value of the material that they're presenting to us. You know, how does it play into the narrative? Yeah, anytime we can get a firsthand witness, that's gold because too much of what we have out here is third and fourth 
you know, right. and, and it's, it's, a, it's impossible to, to get anywhere on secondhand information. Like, so to get a firsthand witness who was actually there to share the details is invaluable. And we, we try to painstakingly take down every detail that they'll give us. Um, and, and then you look, we we're vetting the individuals themselves too, right? Does this individual, are they viewed in the credit in the community as credible? Is there any red flags there that would lead us to believe that they have personal gain to, to be had if from this, um, you do your best to vet the individual and make sure that, and, and we take it all anyways, but then on the level of credibility, you try to rank it like, we can put a lot of stock into this. You know, this is a solid individual who is well-respected in the community, has never said anything about this before, never said anything since, does not have a history of making outlandish claims. You know, you start looking at the overall right. picture. So yes, there, there's a lot of it. There has to be, or else, you know, really what kind of investigation are we holding? What are your individual goals as the years go by, days go by, each you get new information, new results? What is your individual goals and how do they align with the goals of all of you at the ranch uh, together? Great question. So I'm going to refrain from speaking for the team okay. um, because it would just be guessing on my part. Um, Boy, I think that's the first time I've been asked that question as far as my own personal, you know, my goals, I, I am a goal-oriented person and, and, I, and I'm the kind that writes them down and, and, and I right. can tell you like Eric Barden, I have a list of um, like, for example, places on the ranch that we would like to have better instrumentation you know, we have a strategic plan. We'd like to get power out here. We'd like to get this instrument here. So we have all that laid out. We have those goals, you know, We'd like to be able to. So we have those type of goals as far as like, I mean, I think we, I have a goal of, we all want answers, right? We'd love yes, to be able to explain right. what's going on here. I, at the end of the day, I guess my goal would be that we can, even if we're not able to solve the total puzzle, if we could get just a few little nuggets out of this that could allow for the advancement of thinking and science, uh, the advancement of our, our laws of physics, a, a better understanding of the world that we live in, that's, for me, that's a win. And, and, I, and I love that, it's a great answer. And it's, for me, again, it's, with the idea of getting answers you read people that do all these uh deep tangents or like conspiracy theory stuff whether it's aliens or dubs or these underground tunnels the military testing or or ancient uh, indigenous people like a reservation that's haunted and stuff it's I, while i do think that stuff has merit and i not to discredit those people that believe that stuff the fact that you always you keep you yourself right now keep talking about the science aspect of it and the push to find the truth or just find out a smidgen of an answer, and I, I think that's what is the best, the most awesome thing about all this is because, again, sure could that stuff all be out there? What I'm not going to refute it, but the idea that there are trained professionals there trying to figure out an answer makes it that much more special. I, I can't reiterate that enough that you're a part of something that is trying to get answers and there you might get an answer that could scare the hell out of all of you, um, which is, which kind of fascinates me because I'm not there lay awake in bed dealing with what you guys do on a daily basis. Yeah. Well, and I, th I think, uh, you know, as I, I was thinking about your question, the goals and that is what I've witnessed out here. I, th I, I think one of the most interesting aspects of the ranch is how it interacts with humans um and the even the human psychology behind it watching people come on for the first time watching different individuals as they interact here their expectations uh their beliefs you know i i've i've always been very interested in human psychology um but even more so since i came on the ranch um and a lot of the things I've witnessed, experienced here has, has led me even further down that. And 
you know, you, you get the, the observer, the observer effect and, and, you know, how much is our belief system playing into what's happening here? How much of it is in our head? I mean, you know, for example, we're, we do, we're observing a lot of anomalous energies out here, right? Radio frequency, um, electromagnetic, uh, strong electromagnetic radiation out here. Well, that can, how the way that that interacts and affects the human body is fascinating. Excuse me, Travis will tell the story of being at college and one of the guys sticking his head between two really powerful magnets and, and getting paralyzed in there and having to have, be pulled out of it because it was messing with the signals in his brain. So you start looking at the ranch and like, there's so many times I've had things happen. And I have to ask myself, did it really happen? Or did I just observe it happening? If that makes sense, right? Yep. Was it just messing with my head and, and those, those strong frequencies and signals are making me think that I'm experiencing this or is it really there? And that's where our instrumentation comes in handy. If, if I think I'm seeing something and the camera didn't pick it up, well, so the way that the way that our human bodies are, our minds, the way we're wired, our watching people as they grapple with their belief system that they've been raised with, their programming and, and trying to plug that in. It, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating study. I, I think probably the most intriguing thing to me at the entire ranch is the interaction with humans that are on it. The I've had I've known a lot of people that are not not to get religious, but they don't believe in miracles or like a higher power, but something will happen they can't explain that it's like, oh my God, it's a miracle. And the idea that you talk about how the ranch responds to people or and the fact that you've been there, you came there as a skeptic and you've had a couple of instances happen to you um, where you can't explain it. And I do think there is something to the idea of if you go in there with an open, not necessarily disregarding or believing, but go in there with an open mind into something you don't know, that you're more apt to deal with or experience something. Um, and, I, and I find that really fascinating because like you, you went in there with your clear head that, you know what, I'm not going to go either way, but I, until I see something, well, something happens to you a bunch of times and it, it is very interesting. I just, I'm just blown away by it. the idea that the ranch itself has its own and I, it's almost weird saying this, but it's almost like the ranch itself has its own like feelings or almost like a, a some sort of like energy balance where it's like it can determine if you're there for good intentions or bad intentions. Well, and and Travis gave me so much. I mean, he <laughs> Travis just ridiculed me so hard that season, that first season we were together because he's like, you keep talking about this ranch as if it's a person. He's all, it's just a, it's just a ranch. It's dirt. It's a, it's a thing. And yet you keep personifying it as if it's like got thoughts and feelings and it can actually think for itself. But anybody that's spent a lot of time here, you know, big low scientists left here under a firm belief that there's, there is some type of precognitive intelligence here that, that, and, and it does, you can't be here long without feeling like you're in a game of cat and mouse and, and or definitely the mouse. It's uh just fascinating and I, I can't wait for the future seasons and all the stuff that comes out um as i kind of transition from the skinwalker ranch your background on martial arts was that something you've always kind of done or or something like that does that kind of help you deal with what you do now as a superintendent of skinwalker ranch like how does that because i find it very fascinating that you have a black belt in martial arts. I mean, I'm, and I'm always drawn to guests that have that. If each person did it for a different reason. So what was your reason for learning a martial art? Well, I started when I was eight years old. Uh, my grandparents actually like gave me lessons for my birthday one year. That was their birthday present to me. I was so excited to take karate. Awesome. Um, growing up, I mean, so I would, I was like, the second, the smallest kid in my grade, right? I was, I was a small fry and, uh, and, you know, I never asked my parents why or, or reasons, but I, I think that they put me in there for, maybe for self-esteem reasons and, and, and 
they see my size. They're like, this kid's going to need all the help he need, all he can get. Right. But, um, but I took to it and, uh, and I took Shotokan. That was the style that I, I took and, and, uh, I did it all the way up until I went to college. And, um, the thing I loved about it was, so I, my, uh, sensei, what my karate teacher, he, he was very traditional. Um, I mean, very strict on, on the way that we did things, uh, you know, Shotokan, you never start a fight. Every move that we'd make starts with a block first, right? We never, and he told us all the time, if we ever start a fight, he'd kick us out of the, out of the class and, uh, just really disciplined. But what I learned from martial arts, I think the biggest asset that I got from it was, um, I learned that I could do hard things Our testing, especially to test for my first degree black belt when I got it was what I felt like it was brutal. And we had to do things physically that I didn't think was possible. And it, and it became a mind over matter. And what I learned from martial arts is our minds are so powerful and that when we need to, like, we have that ability to mind over matter. And, uh, and it's, it's served me, uh, you know, my self-discipline, my self-control, um, I, I gained a lot of internal things from the martial arts besides the confidence, you know, I'm not, I feel there are very few times I walk into a situation where I don't feel like, uh, you know, where I feel like I couldn't control things if it got out of hand. So it's given me a lot of confidence uh, as well in, in that regard. Probably wonders if the ranch could sense that, like that, not only confidence, but like that, the meditation or like your, your headspace kind of like you can walk in any situation and maybe, I don't know, maybe that's why the, the I actually think it's, I actually think it's one of the reasons why I've got my ass kicked out here is because, um, (laughs) you know, we, we, one of the things we do in this science investigation, you look for patterns, right? Um, you try to, you try to find patterns and, and predictability in things. And it's so hard to do because we haven't found necessarily those patterns we're looking for. But one thing that we like, one of the few things that seems to, for the most part, hold true is the mindset of a person when they come on the ranch and the experience that they have. Um, We've had a lot of injuries here on the ranch, a lot. And as we start looking at the mindset of the individuals that got injured, uh, I'm going to use myself as an example. Yeah, I did. You know, I do have a lot of confidence and, uh, I come out here, I irrigate, I'm not scared of the dark. I feel very comfortable in the dark. I'm not worried of wild animals. You know, I come out here and irrigate the land by myself, middle of the night. Um, you know, who knows where security is while I'm out in the fields. They, right. they may not be there quick enough to, to save me, right? But um, no, I have a lot of confidence and I, and I feel like I can take care of myself. And so I come on kind of with this attitude, like, first of all, there's nothing here to be worried about. And second of all, like, it's not going to hurt me. Right. That kind of that dominant attitude that, um, I, I'm trying to think of the right word, irreverent, yep. kind of that bombastic, like, you know, there's nothing here that's going to hurt me. And as we look at the individuals that have been hurt, the ones that are hurt the worst are really the ones that come on with that attitude of, you know, there's nothing here that scares me. And they're the ones that get their butts kicked the worst. And I look at Travis. I mean, Travis came on here kind of really, I'm going to poke that hornet's nest. Well, (laughs) ain't nothing here. And, and I look at the, the degree at which he's been terrorized here on the ranch. I mean, guys having night terrors and, and, you listen to him talk out in the media about things that have happened to him personally, uh, both on the ranch and off the ranch. Uh, he's got, he's, he's been humbled as have I. Right. I, and so now, uh, especially since my head injury, I, I realize there are things out here bigger than myself. I'm no match for certain things out here. I come on with a much higher degree of respect and reverence 
and uh, and and I'll tell you, my my attitude out here now is much more humble than it was those first couple of years. So uh, I, I've learned that it's okay to have confidence, but humility goes a long ways out here. Right. And clearly, the ranch did uh, figure that out. You're also the CEO of Residence Residence Meditations. What exactly is that? Well, I'm glad you asked. So, Residence Meditations is actually my wife's company, um, and uh, my wife has a gift of um, she can hear frequency beyond what the average person can hear. So, everything has a frequency. You have a frequency. Um, and she has a gift where she can hear that. And then she's able to sit down at the piano and using, a, using the strings of a piano, she can, she can start to reproduce that frequency inside the piano board. And uh, she's, she is doing amazing things with it. Um, and uh, she's, she created a meditation program where she, she actually recorded uh, uh, frequencies of plants that essential oils are made out of. Um, wow. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, she, she went to hear the frequency of the oils, but the thing about it is, see, like every oil has its own frequency because, I mean, if you add a carrier oil, in, it changes it, right? Every, everything can change. It's like that crystal glass. If I, add, if I add a little more water into it than this one, they're going to have different tones. Or if they're a little bit thick, thicker in, you know, in thickness, everything can affect that tone. And, um, and so she actually tuned in and she, she's played the frequency of these plants and she created a meditation process. And it's, it's remarkable in the fact that she has, she has done this with, uh, I guess you call meditation experts from around the world, India. Um, I, I don't even know, Japan, right. Like all around the world with these uh, meditation experts and, and this is what they're telling us when, after they go through her meditation, they're blown away because all of them have this life altering experience with it. And some of the comments we've got back is, is they're like, you know, it usually takes me 45 to 60 minutes to get into a theta state of meditation where I'm seeing things with what, with her frequency and, and the use of the oils, it's aligning all the senses you're smelling, you're hearing, you can, um, you're putting it on, you're touching it. So it aligns all your senses and it's putting people into a theta state of meditation in 45 to 60 seconds. So in three to five minutes, people are like, they're having mind altering or not mind life altering experiences. Yes. And the testimonials that have come in from around the world, it's, it's in, last we knew it was in 14 countries. You know, she has an app. So it's a, it's an app on the Play Store that she can. So it's She's doing amazing things with the frequency and it's, it's been kind of fun because um, with what she's doing and with her gift and, and in her business uh, that I help her with on the business side, you know, she is, she's the composer. She's the, she's the creator of it. And then I'm more of the business side, like here's how we need to protect it and, and market it and, and put it out there. And so, uh, it's been fun to have that going on on one side of my life and then be surrounded by all these brilliant minds out here on the ranch. I, I've gotten to the point, I don't believe in coincidences anymore. And uh, I find it fascinating that here is a woman, the most gifted woman I've ever seen in my life. That yep. Her gifts are just incredible. And she's placed uh, a few miles away from this famous ranch, the most studied paranormal hotspot in the world. And we bring in some of the most brilliant minds from around the globe here. And the fun thing is, is that after the ranch stuff is done, then I get the chance to interact with these individuals. She gets the chance to interact. And, and they, of course, are very fascinated by it. So it's given us the opportunity to get insight, get um, right. some of these brilliant minds looking at it and, and helping us understand it better and dive in deeper. So it, it's been an interesting journey. It'd be crazy if eventually she could figure out the frequency of Skinwalker Ranch. And I think that'd be mind-blowing. Well, <laughs> I, I won't say that we haven't, uh, we haven't experimented a little bit with it. So, and, and so, yeah, I got you. And so 
when when you need to get away though from all of the Skinwalker Ranch type stuff, is there a specific thing you need to do, or every time you step away or go back to contracting, doing your other work, you do? Is Skinwalker Ranch always feel like a part of you, or is it only do you only feel that when you're on site? That's a great question. Um, yes, it's always a part of me. Um, it's always there somewhere in the back of your mind, but uh, it, it ebbs and flows. Like sometimes it's very, very strong and and I'm carrying that feeling with me for weeks. Uh, everywhere I go, I can't shake it, right? And and having the gifted wife that I do that that's very gifted in energy and, and healing and frequency has helped me a lot. She's been able to, there's sometimes I go home where the ranch has messed me up pretty good. And she's been able to do her, her magic and, uh, and help me write the ship. Um, that's, that's how I, I don't know where I'd be if I didn't have that. Um, I hate to call her an asset, but you know, if I didn't have that at home, cause she, there's been a lot of time. I, I've been injured out here way more than three times and, and, uh, the ranch has messed me up pretty good sometimes right. and uh, to the point I can't even get out of bed. And if, thank goodness she's able to, uh, you know, work her, work her gifts and get me back on my feet and rolling again. Um, but it, it, the, and then there's other times where it's like calm and peaceful. Most of the time the ranch is calm and peaceful out here. You know, it's, it's actually, I tell people nine out of 10 times, it's a beautiful, peaceful place to be. And then that other one out of 10, like you can't get off fast enough. Right. So, right. um, it, yeah, it just ebbs and flows. Well, uh, I want to thank you for jumping on here, Thomas. Um, I know you're on social media, Instagram and stuff. Is there a specific website, um, you want to direct people to, I know before I let you actually, one of the coolest things you do on your own YouTube channel is you kind of do a specific breakdown to different things and you kind of put your non, uh, history channel influence type of take on stuff. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but one of the cool videos you have out there is when you kind of do the one take of the, the, uh, the body of the cow, the change color, and you, you kind of talk the way through it. So people definitely should check out your YouTube channel, but Instagram, stuff like that. Is there any other places they should go to? No, I, you know, social media, that, that's been the biggest adjustment for me of this whole TV thing, you know, um, I, I think that they would like us to be out there promoting and building the buzz and all that. I, it's so hard for me to put myself out in public. It really is like the social media and I'll, I'll be good and I'll start posting a little bit. And then it's like, it just becomes overwhelming to me and I just right. shut it all off and I walk away and it takes me a few months before I'm like, all right, I'll re-engage a little bit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to, Twitter was the hardest one for me. Um, but I'm starting to like, get the hang of it a little bit better, not letting it affect my skin has gotten a little thicker. Um, and, uh, so people on Twitter might be worse than the the actual, whatever's behind Skywalker Ranch. I can almost guarantee you that (laughs) Twitter is not for the faint of heart. Like out of all the social media forums, like it's the most brutal. And, uh, yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and my, my YouTube. Uh, I haven't done anything on YouTube for a little while. Really, there's sometimes when, when the episodes air and there's like this huge uproar, the cow was one. People were just yeah. like, oh my gosh, you guys switched the cow. Uh, that head, that fake head that was in the background that we forgot to get out of the scene. Um, just a, a few of those, I felt the necessity to go out and explain so that we could kind of like, right. easy, easy, so... But uh, again, this has been awesome. Um, thank you again for jumping on here. And uh, I look forward to the upcoming seasons of Secret of Skinwalker Ranch and everything you guys got going on out there. So be well, safe thanks for there. having me on. Awesome. Thank you, sir. How's it going, everyone? John here, the host of Spear Talk. You might not know this, but before I record an episode, I like to break a sweat. And I do that using the chop fit. Over the course of the past year, the ChopFit has allowed me to lose weight, tone up my body, and feel even more amazing about myself. A feeling that you should all feel about yourselves as well. If you use this code, SpearChop10, you get $10 off your order. Once again, use code SpearChop10 
for $10 off your chocolate order. It'll change your life. Thank you. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.